0: This is the E of uh, real estate. My name is uh, Renee Stevens, and I'm very honored to have today as guest uh, Dr. uh, Ibrahim Karim from Cairo. Welcome. Dr. uh, Ibrahim Karim is a uh, truly uh, Renaissance man who uh, combines uh, science and spirituality in a uh, daily, applicable way. And uh, he was born in Cairo. He studied uh, architecture at the famous. Technical University uh, in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, where he got his uh, master's degree in architecture and also his doctor degree in uh, architecture and uh, uh, town planning. He also obtained a PhD in uh, tourist planning. For many years, uh, Dr. Karim uh, held uh, several advisory positions uh, in Egypt to the ministers of uh, health, culture, Tourism uh, and also of scientific uh, research. Besides uh, architecture, he uh, practiced also interior design and uh, furniture, uh, and, as, uh, and also a product design with uh, a new environmental worldview. We will come into that uh, later. He is a founder of uh, biogeometry, uh, the science of Subtle Energy Quality. In a new paradigm in architecture and industrial design, and to restore harmony to our modern uh, technology environments. He is a uh, holder of uh, numerous patents and uh, intellectual property uh, registrations in the field of uh, biogeometry. He uh, teaches and uh, supervises uh, postgraduate studies on the applications of the science of biogeometry in uh, different fields of architecture urban and tourist planning, landscape design, industrial design, textile and fashion design, and even animal farming and agriculture. He wrote uh, two uh, English books, uh, Back to A, Future to Mankind, Um, that is also translated in Chinese and Italian. And as I understood, five more languages are upcoming. And the other uh, important book in English language is uh, Biogeometry Signatures harmonizing the body's subtle energies, exchange with the environment. And he's also working on several new books. Maybe you can uh, elaborate a little bit on that later on. Uh, Dr. Karim's worldview combines science and spirituality uh, in a new unified harmonious worldview. And that is based on a new multidimensional physics of quality, actually a science that he developed himself. The practicality of his worldview has been demonstrated in the environmental solutions that uh, biogeometry provides in many areas of life. And we will come to that uh, in this interview. Uh, so, Ibrahim, a very impressive CV, and this is only a short version. <laughs> uh, I'm really, really grateful to have you on uh, our show. Uh, welcome. Well, hello, Rene. It's a pleasure being with you.
1: and uh, thank you for this uh, long cv <laughs> you need to go so much into it
0: <laughs> oh well uh what i read about you and what i saw on youtube uh, you really deserve this is uh, you uh, uh, thank you We you will come into that uh, in this interview it's really amazing uh, i'm an architect myself as you know so uh, i recognize many many things that you are doing and for me, it's uh, uh, eye-opening that, uh, wow, we can combine it in one system. Uh, this is really, really uh, something. Uh, it took you, uh, uh, as I understood, about uh, 45 years to uh, uh, do this uh, odyssey into uncharted territory of uh, harmonizing and balancing resonance in uh, environment and the humans, uh, animals, and plants in it. And in this podcast, uh, I would like to focus on the application of biogeometry in the learn and work environment. So in universities uh, uh, as a resonance in action? And how can rethinking of a university campus have a positive impact on study outcomes and the user experience? Uh, and how can a learning environment, and in my definition, that uh, consists of three parts. So there's the physical part, so the buildings and the, the location and the, the rooms in the building. Uh, but also the digital part, so the digital work environment, the digital workplace, uh, and all the Wi-Fi and all the things that uh, go with it. And uh, last but not least, the social part. So also we human beings uh, have an etheric field and influence each other and are influenced by the other two environment uh, components. I read some amazing stuff uh, about your work uh you are recognized and honored f- by several institutions uh, for your work in the environment and uh one of the most uh, outstanding ones is uh, you work in switzerland in uh, hamburg and um, uh, isberg um, and they even uh, cho- uh, choose you as the uh, the man of the year by the magazine oh yes Alzheimer's. you found that <laughs> yeah 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 i found that and um, and, and I and even uh, saw that I gave you a, a nickname, Stralemann. uh in English something <laughs> yeah. like uh, Radiation Man, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> amazing. And uh, the citizens of these two towns uh, in Switzerland, they uh, perceived uh, your interventions as miracles. And the article called you for that uh, Karim from Wonderland, uh, or from uh, <laughs> yes. Miracleland. I see you read some of the articles as well. Oh, yeah, all of them. All of them, <laughs> yes. Uh, them, uh, those that I could find, I read. Uh, really amazing. Because it's a hot topic 5G and uh, in specific, but uh, electrosmog and uh, electromagnetic uh, radiation as uh, a total uh, area. I'm uh, wondering, uh, Karim, what got you into this field of uh, creating so called miracles? Well, uh,
1: let me start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I will quote uh, in in an English translation two lines from uh, one of the Sufi poets called Omar Khayyam. And uh, those lines, I can sum them up in two lines. It says, the divine finger that writes and having writ, nor all thy piety, nor all thy wit, shall change a single word of it. Uh, Now, he is speaking about the divine finger, writing and drawing all the shapes in nature and everything that exists uh, and will exist. So I look at those lines and then I ask myself, uh, if we are living in a country that speaks only English, or let's say in Finland you're speaking only Finnish, and you couldn't speak the language of the country mm. you'd be pretty useless in the society if you don't speak their language so imagine we are living in nature and there's a divine pen writing and drawing all those shapes in nature all those nice trees and forests and even animals and every, every all the nice things in nature it's the writing of a divine pen and nobody reads we cannot read so we are living in nature and cannot read the language of nature what we are doing is we are speaking to ourselves human is speaking to human that's the only language we understand and you cannot live in an environment without understanding its language so by geometry is a new science that strives to, uh, to let, let's say, to understand the language of nature and the forming process in nature, how nature forms things. So, in order to understand that, let's take the word biogeometry. Uh, geometry is geo and metry. Metry means measurement. And geo means the earth. So geometry is the measurement of the earth. The word comes from the ancient Egyptians that they used to measure or survey the land every year after the flood of the Nile when the nice silt came and covered uh, all the land and when the Nile receded, the water receded, you had to... Divide the parcels again so that every farmer gets back his parcels. So they surveyed every parcel from, uh, I mean, Upper Egypt to Lower Egypt, that's more than a thousand kilometers. Every parcel on the Nile, they used to survey it. And that means measuring measurements in the land, and from that, we know, for for example, the Pythagorean triangle, the triangle of 90 degrees, three, four, and five. They got a rope in those dimensions in order to get the exact 90 degrees for every parcel. So they called Egypt, one of the names for Egypt is the surveyed land. Mm. Now, so that is the meaning of geometry, is surveying of the earth. Now, I added Bayou to it because I didn't want just to measure the Earth. No, I look at the Earth like a living uh, entity. The Earth is alive, is alive, and this life, we refer to it as bio. Bio means the energy of life, the life force. So I added bio to geometry in order to have a science that deals with the life force of this planet we're in. Of which we are also part because the planet is a living entity and we are like bacteria within this living entity we don't live on the earth we live in the earth because the atmosphere is part of the earth so we live in the earth now like any cells that live in a larger body the uh Bioenergy or the life force of our systems is actually the life force of the earth. So we are like a drop in the ocean that gets its water from the ocean. We shouldn't think that the drop is separate from the ocean. Mm -hmm. And starting with this, we understood now that if we are part of the earth, we are part of the environment, then we should at least understand the language of, the, of nature and from there we started uh, developing biogeometry and to understand the language of nature nature creates living things everything in nature is alive everything in nature has life force in it has this bio force in it and we are also parts of nature the design of the human body and every other species we have the life force in us yet we come and in our great civilization we start producing products and putting them out in nature that do not have life force in them and that's a big problem we are polluting nature with things that are not alive And we think, well, we are trying to reach life through artificial intelligence, for example. Now, you can try to simulate life through artificial intelligence, but you will never create it. And even if you reach the best computers in the world with artificial intelligence, they will become self-developing in such a way that they will not need us and then they will take their decisions and when they take their decisions we will notice that they only simulate life but they are not alive because they will not have any conscience they will not really do things according to conscience they will actually do things according to what is most efficient so computers running the earth if they think that uh, reducing humanity by a third for example would be good for the rest of humanity and they think that's the, <laughs> the best solution they'll go and do it they have no conscience mm-hmm. so understanding that you understand you cannot create life well what do you do how does nature do it Nature accesses life from a higher dimension. You see, life exists as a life force, and all the shapes that you find in nature are governed from a higher level through certain uh, patterns, templates that come into the physical dimension through vortices or centers, centers of energy that come into the physical dimension, and in them we have all the laws of nature that govern the evolution and growth of everything in nature. So nature brings life into matter. It accesses life into matter. Life is out there. It's, it's, you know, when we say we want to make life through artificial intelligence, it's like Imagine a fish wanting to make water. I mean, it's already living in water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what's a fish trying to make water now? We are trying to make life. We are living in a sea of life. The whole universe is based mm-hmm. in a living background, a living force. Mm-hmm. So designing should be made like the forming process of nature we should design our things in order to access and contain this life force Uh, this seems a bit strange to think about how can can we design something and make it connect to life force well the first thing let us look at the human body for example The human body is a container, and every container should be shaped in order to contain what's in it. So you can make a container that is shaped, uh, for example, to contain water or food. So you make it in a sort of a concave like this thing to contain things in it. But what if you want to contain subtle energy levels, like life force, like emotional, like mental levels? If you want to contain those levels, you cannot use physical means to contain subtle energy levels. The only way to contain them is through resonance, entering into resonance with them, and resonance between any two vibrations or any two fields will actually make a copy of every field in both of them. So, to contain them, you contain them, you bring them into the system through resonance. Now, how does this? Resonance occur mm-hmm. through the shape of the human body. The human body is shaped in every detail in order to contain all the levels of all the functions it should uh, have. And we make very interesting experiments to prove that. We bring a wooden statue, you know, the wooden artist statues. We bring a wooden statue like that, and we take the wooden statue and position the hands in different positions. And we can actually, on the statue that has a human shape, you can find the energy centers, you know, that we call the chakras. The chakras can be found on a statue. But then the question is, if the statue displays chakras that we can measure, then it, it must have life force in it. How can a statue have life force? Mm. It has life force through shape. Now, on the physical level, the statue will not move, will not grow. But it carries the whole life force that it can transmit to a human. And if we understand that, we will understand the secret behind many of the ancient statues that were designed in such a way to access the life force and transmitted that is why ancient Egyptian statues for example have a stylized shape because the stylized shapes they are very near to the perfect templates from the archetypal level so they get those templates and even if they try to put the fairest features in it they keep that within the minimum in order not to distort the stylized uh, let's say form of the statue And those statues actually get the life force and transmit it to the community. So life force can be accessed even through dead matter or seemingly dead matter. Now, looking at that, so we want a science that brings life force into uh, whatever the human being produces. If we look at those ancient statues, we will find that they were placed on certain sacred power spots. And those sacred power spots has a sort of a vortex that connects the earth entire dimensions. Now if we go back to the beginning of humanity, we find that since the dawn of humanity, they looked at the animals and the animals have a way of finding the sacred power spots pigeons for example they they fly in a v-shape formation and on the sacred power spots they start turning circles and then after that they continue in their V formation so you know that now they are on the sacred power spots now those power spots were strong energy power spots the word sacred comes it's Humanity that looks at them that makes them sacred for humanity. Now, how do they make them sacred? They watch the animals interact with those power spots. Those sacred power spots have underground water streams crossing at certain angles that produce a stream coming out of the earth and the water in this stream stays fresh forever. It doesn't salinate with time. It stays fresh and it has healing properties in those spots. The crossing of angles actually produces a vortex. When two lines cross at, a, at their crossing point, they produce a vortex in this area, and then you have a sacred power spot. Now, in those sacred power spots, early humans, they were like animals. They used to go there like the animals did. And in the sacred power spots, they found that there is some multidimensional communications to higher levels they found that maybe oracles or light beings, like angels, things like that, started to connect with them in those areas. So that means those areas became areas of illumination. At the same time, they became areas of healing. And since they connected to higher uh, dimensions, those areas also became areas of burial. So to the first humans, the sacred power spot became the most important factor in the whole history of humanity, is the sacred power spot, from the beginning. Because after that, they used to uh, plan cities according to sacred power spots. Throughout history, sacred power spots played an important role in beliefs and religions and all that. Now, what did they do with the first power spot? They found that the energy of this power spot is so important in their lives and it gives them this communication and health and all that, that they wanted to amplify it. They found that the first uh, small granite stones, let's say very dense stones, radiated more of this energy than soft stones or, or mud. So they went to a lot. Of trouble getting big, big boulders, megalithic, maybe 40 ton stones from faraway places. They quarried them from mountains, put them on sledges, and brought them all the way, sometimes two or 300 kilometers. And uh, in Egypt, it was 500 kilometers bringing granite shapes from the south uh, to the north. And then they erected those big megalithic stones on the power spots. That's what we call menhirs today. So manhirs are here to mark a power spot, but at the same time to radiate its energy uh, in the environment. If we look at the simple erection of a manhir, we can say this is actually the beginning of true architecture. Because imagine, first you identify a stone, that means material knowledge, but material knowledge even deeper than what we have today because material knowledge in relation in relation to subtle energy now you have material knowledge and then you go and query the stone from a mountain or something so you have querying the material then you take this huge 40 ton stone. you cut trees and make rollers or, or sledges put the stone on it and keep rolling it on the land till you come to a river. You take the same trees, make a raft, and put it on the raft till you reach the nearest spot, your uh, area of the power spot. Then you take it again on land, and you take it there, and then you make a hole, and then erect a 40 ton stone. Imagine mm. you erect it so that it falls into the hole, and then you have the men here. So if you take all that, it is material knowledge, it's erection, it's knowledge. You can say this is really the beginning of architecture. Now, this concept developed later in ancient Egypt as the obelisk. Now they found that by bringing certain dimensions and certain shapes, they could amplify the energy even more but there's always the same thing. It had to be on a sacred power spot to radiate that energy. So when they built the archetypal statues that we spoke about earlier, they always placed them on such uh, spots that had this energy, this energy connecting the earth to the sky. That means the life force. So what the monuments became full of life force that they accessed. Now, a bit later, they built two of those megalithic stones and put one on it in the shape of an arc, you know, an archway. And then, strangely enough, all of the archways are oriented towards the east, so east-west. So I kept measuring this shape, what shape of an arc. If I turn it east-west, I found that in the east-west direction, it seems to radiate uh, along the direction all the way to the east horizon, all the way to the west horizon. Opens a path of radiation. So when they put those stones on the sacred passport they radiated the energy of the power spot to reach the rising and the setting of the sun. That means they connected the sacred energy to the life cycle, you know, of the earth. Now this. Make- Megalithic gate. Later, they covered it with mud to make it like a hill on it, which later became a pyramid. So, the essence of a pyramid is actually this chamber, this holy of holies, had to be in granite, had to be oriented towards the east. That's the essence of all basilicas, of all temples, of all things throughout history. It was actually this interaction with the sacred power spots. So I started thinking okay, first of all, I need to understand uh, as a professor of architecture teaching the history of architecture, we keep teaching the material aspects, the style, you know, the Gothic style, the Romanesque style, and we keep teaching this aspect and the social aspects, the material aspects, and all that. But we don't have uh, an idea about why is this church or this temple placed in this spot. If we dig deeper beside the spot, maybe 10 meters deeper, we find traces of an ancient building of an older civilization. We go another 10 meters, we find another building from an older civilization. So it seems through maybe five, six thousand years of history, humanity was building always on the same spots, on the same spots. Okay, so now if we look at this ancient gate that we call Dolmen, this has become the holy of holies. And actually, this relationship of the dolmen to the sacred tar spots is the essence and the core of all sacred buildings so when you look for uh, at the pyramids people think start discussing when was it built how was it built okay that's very interesting when was it built how was it built but maybe the pyramid you see in front of you is the last stage mm. of humanity interacting with that spot for maybe 10,000 years earlier. That's why you find maybe in the rock bed under the pyramid, you find chambers that are carved in the rock. Maybe those chambers were done 10,000 years ago. We don't know. So the most important thing to know is the energy of the spots. That was the whole key in ancient civilizations is interacting with this multi-dimensional gateway that took you to other dimensions so the human being here lived in connection with the higher dimensions so that all his actions and all his doings were full of life force he connected to the life force and this resonates with the body that has the chakras that also has those vortices in every chakra that connects to the life force. So the whole idea was bringing the full life force into whatever humanity did. So the buildings or the products of humanity, whatever it was, they were actually accessing life force. Now, in biogeometry, I thought now, how was this, I mean, what's, how was this energy achieved somehow or how was this vortex achieved is through angles of underwater streams but i also knew from other studies that angles of underwater streams can make areas that produce cancer and things like that so it could be harmful areas so underwater stream crossings could cause cancer or could cause uh, very healthy uh, connection to higher dimensions. So I thought, wh- where was the key? So I thought the key was polarity and angles. Mm-hmm. And if the key here is polarity and angles, that comes right in our domains, yours and mine as architects, yes, you know.
0: Yes,
1: indeed it, yes. it comes right in our lab. So I said, here there must be a geometrical language that has to do with this. Now, First, I used some ancient sciences, I put them together to make a physics of quality that I could use to measure the quality of sacred power spots. So I studied Pythagorean harmonics, you know, harmonics of string harmonics, and I studied uh, different forms of scientific forms of dowsing. That you used certain wavelengths of dowsing or wavelengths on strings and then I combined universal harmonics with this dowsing and in universal harmonics I extended imagine a musical instrument where every string is in resonance with one double or half its size imagine if I take this musical instrument and I extend it from one side to zero and from the other side to infinity. That means everything in existence, it become one harmonic unity, will become connected in quality. So a science of quality can actually connect with everything in existence. So now I started using this science of quality to understand what are the qualities Of the energy in sacred power spots. When I was able to determine that, I started developing a geometrical language that would reproduce the same quality as sacred power spots. Now I started developing the geometrical language. Once I got it, that I could reproduce that energy through angles and shapes. Because you know, you know that when light goes through a prism, Mm-hmm. It uh, refracts in angles, and every angle is a color. So in a prism, you see the relationship between angles and qualities. So actually, uh, angles are the components of shape. So you can say that shapes are frozen qualities anyhow. So shapes in nature are qualities. If they are connected to
0: the sacred energy, they become living qualities. Mm-hmm. So in in the example of the prism, uh, you say uh, the, the has different uh, qualities. Uh, actually, this yes. the uh, colors have different qualities, and as we know, colors have uh, different uh, wavelength. So in that yes, way, you every can wavelength, them. every wavelength breaks down
1: in a different angle. Mm-hmm, indeed. And when it breaks down in a different angle, now our brain, when it sees the angles, and the frequencies. It transforms the angles in the visual center in the brain into colors, and then you see the colors. So the colors are the brain's reaction to the angles. So actually, we could say that that every shape is radiating all kinds of colors, but it's on a, since it's not like sound, sound has many octaves, colors is only one octave. So shape radiates colors, but on other octaves that we don't see. Mm -hmm. But now, since we managed to find the language of shape that reproduces the energy of sacred power spots, then we can actually use shapes to amplify that energy. We can use shapes to store that energy, or to radiate that energy. So now sacred energy quality becomes usable as we use energy in a quantitative way. So imagine now you can store qualities, you can radiate qualities, you can use them. Uh, Imagine a future where your fuel was qualities. Mm -hmm. So now we have this language, we are now we have achieved a very important step that we can actually reproduce the energy of a power spot away from a power spot so we become free because let's say i want to build a house not every house like a temple uh, i can choose a power spot to build it upon mm-hmm. but now with the biometry language i can create my own power spot if i design a chair I create the chair has its own vortex it's connected so in a way geometry is a language that produces shapes that access the life force so now we are imitating the language of nature we're creating living forces now why is that of great importance today now Electro-smoke, coming from the radiation that we have, you know, electromagnetic radiation of, uh, is filling the whole atmosphere because we are in the age of information. Now, unfortunately, uh, electromagnetic radiation has a dehydrating quality. It has a similar dehydrating quality that you find in ancient tombs and pyramids and all that. The same dehydrating quality exists in electricity. Now, dehydrating quality means what? Life force is in water. And when systems lose water through dehydration, they lose life force. When they lose life force, they lose immunity. Their immunity is reduced. So the age of information is actually reducing the immunity of all life species of all life on earth now when you go to plants and trees and all that and the immunity is reduced uh the parasites increase because the trees don't can defend themselves anymore the parasites increase as a result you start using more chemicals so instead of just having electromagnetic pollution now you have electromagnetic pollution and chemical pollution Mm -hmm. see so now we have to restore the life force the lost life force in our civilization otherwise with the increase of electromagnetic radiation we have a hidden time bomb in the age of information that one day immune systems of life will collapse and the whole civilization is finished and maybe a new species new humanity starts in the future but we are in real danger of because we do not want to address the problems of electromagnetic radiation
0: that yeah, when i when i may uh, interrupt you uh, for yes please do uh, for a second uh, you could say that um, it is like the boiling frog syndrome so uh, yes. most of us are not aware that that the water is uh, warming up uh, to a degree yes. that they cannot handle it anymore and when we figure that out it's too late uh, so luckily yeah, want- uh, like you uh, are, are making us aware that uh, that not only this is going on but also that there is a solution for it yes and not only that if we look at electromagnetic radiation
1: it's not only dehydrating life systems it is actually contributing to global warming because when if any wave moves, any motion like that produces heat. You know, motion motion is heat, like in a microwave. You heat your water in a microwave. So why are not are we not aware that all those electromagnetic waves in the atmosphere are actually contributing to heat? So we do not want to see that our civilization is contributing to global warming, and going from fossil fuels to electricity is not solving anything. Unless we have a science like biometry, we are actually making things worse. Mm. So if you're sitting in a car, and you're sitting on a stack of batteries with time, you will feel the difference in your health. Mm. Or if you're in a city that everything is run electrically, I mean, every day today we have 100 new inventions we keep increasing all kinds of electromagnetic radiation on earth now already 5g is causing problems so we should we cannot stop that and since we cannot stop it we have a science like biometry that can actually take the energy the harmonizing energy from higher dimension the life force and actually put it into electromagnetic radiation putting it into the atmosphere so at the end you have a healing energy in the atmosphere you have electromagnetic radiation like it carries pictures sounds and all that why not make it carry a healing spiritual energy full of life force Mm -hmm. that actually our age of information would be increasing the life force of the earth instead of depleting it. Yeah. And that is what Biotrometry is doing. It wants to bring back the life force into all designs of humanity, into all its products. So in this way we are actually following the principles of the forming process in nature. So we become part of nature, the human being and all what he is doing becomes in harmony with the nature he is living in Mm -hmm. and all what i'm saying now seems uh you could think that it's i'm not just philosophizing or saying things like that from the first day we started by geometry maybe over now it's about 47 48 years ago from the first day we were providing solutions to problems that cannot be solved otherwise. When we did the electrosmog problems in Switzerland, when I went to Hamburg, the government asked me to solve the problem because the people were demonstrating and they wanted to dynamite the towers, the mobile towers. So I asked them first, uh, do you have a solution in mainstream science? Like you said before, I come from the half from Zurich. so they know me there Um, they look at me as a Swiss scientist so uh, okay do we have in mainstream science a solution they said no if we had a solution we wouldn't ask you to come (laughs) okay I said okay now you want to cancel the effect of electromagnetic radiation on people well I can tell you a very simple uh, answer to that take away the cause that's causing the effect (laughs) they said we didn't bring you to tell us that we know that but we want you to cancel the effect without uh, taking away uh, the cause without taking away all the electric sources or magnetic sources so I told them is that logic Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I play with them a bit and so they said Ibrahim we know you can do it in biogeometry so please find a solution so i said okay so now when we installed our geometrical shapes some very strange things happened you know uh 60 percent of all health symptoms according to the study that the doctor Yvonne from the parliament and bosco Bueller, another member of parliament they did the study the independent study they found that 60 percent of health problems were reduced uh, things like epilepsy for example vanished completely from the area Be- many children had epilepsy it vanished now besides that they found that the community had changed on the emotional mental level because on a television program, when they were speaking about all, they were speaking about the miracle of Hamburg. Look at all what happened to the cows. Migrating birds came back. The cows are now fertile again. The milk production is here. Plants are okay. Uh, the people are healthier. So they call that the miracle of Hamburg. The mayor came out and said, Well, I would like to say something, but on a different scale than what you are saying. I'm speaking as the mayor of of the community. I thank Dr. Karim for bringing peace to my community and for bringing back the church into our hearts. Now, why was that? Because when they did the first questionnaire, people sometimes said things uh, that were not in the questionnaire. Like for example, I am not enjoying life. People didn't have any problems, no monetary problems, no financial problems, nothing. Everything was perfect in their lives, but they didn't enjoy life. They had no taste for life. Or they said, I have no will. Or the people were aggressive with each other. You know, your dog goes into the neighbor's garden, there's a fight. They're aggressive people in the streets were very aggressive with each other. Even in the homes, couples were... Fighting all the time, and so there was a lot of aggression going around. Now, with Bajometry, all of a sudden everything calmed down, and they found people walking in the street smiling at each other. Uh, The aggression had left the people. And when they came 10 days later and asked the same question to the people, they were astonished because the person would say, Now I'm enjoying life. So they tell him, Are you crazy? Last week you said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You didn't enjoy it. He said, no, but now I'm enjoying it. (laughs) How come now? He says like that. After Ibrahim came, now I'm enjoying life. And they noticed that all the people in those areas started calling me always by my first name. You know, in Switzerland, we always use family names. They use Dr. Karim or Mr. Karim. We always use family names in Europe. But those people there, they got so close to me that they are always referring me, Ibrahim, and laughing and joking and things like that. So the mayor, he looked at the people in the community and he found it very strange. Why are those people so happy, (laughs) Uh, Peaceful, enjoying things. And that's what he said on TV. Something had changed. One year later, we had a conference in Hamburg and the people came and said, Look, Ibrahim, we have the right to know the type of energy you are using. So I said, well, I explained everything. So they said, yes, you explained everything like an engineer, very scientific, very good. But there's something more that you didn't explain. Are you afraid that uh, somebody would say he's using some kind of spiritual energy or things like that? Why don't you tell us the truth? What kind of energy quality are you using? Because we know it is spiritual, because everything changed here. We live in a different dimension. So tell us, it's our right to know. When you use energy with us, it's our right to know. So I told them, yes, I explained to them, this is the energy of sacred parsnips and all that. And so they understood by geometry. And actually, the people of Hamburg, when I was asked to make the second area in Hirschberg, because in Hamburg we placed all the geometrical shapes, we placed them on uh, facing the mobile towers. And uh, the shapes we used, their shapes, you know shapes like this, like I have in the screen, like this, uh-huh. shapes like this that emit energy. so they were emitting energy towards the towers so they wanted to make a solution for all of switzerland a total country solution but they said if we go in every place and put the ships pointing to the towers uh, maybe people will understand or will say that mobile energy is harmful mm. and ibrahim is correcting it
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: so can you please find another way of doing it because if we make a total country project, uh, don't use the towers. So I said, OK, I'm this energy. Instead of using hundreds of shapes in the towers, it was easier for me to carry this quality on the emanation of the mobile uh, tower, so I can use less shapes. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, use it as, I have to carry away
0: for...
1: as As a carrier thing. Yeah. So they told me, find another carrier thing. I told them, OK, I can use. The energy of the earth, the earth itself can carry those waves. So we went in Hirschberg, and there's a central hill like that called Hirschberg, and then the whole valley of Appenzell. It goes, it's a radius of ten kilometers uh, all around with mountains at the end. So we went to the central spots and got the twelve big shapes like that. Put them in plastic tubes and put the plastic cubes in the ground. We filled them with water first to, to get the energy of life in there. And we buried them in the ground. We buried the 12 of them in the ground in this central spot. Mm. And it actually harmonized the whole valley from inside the earth. And that was the pilot project for the total Swiss solution. Well, we, we negotiated after that a contract for the total Swiss solution, but uh, some police, a lot of political uh, uh, problems came into there and all that, and I had at that time, I left for Canada, uh, I ma- migrated to Canada, and so we didn't complete uh, the total Swiss solution, but we had the prototype for it uh, was done. Now, the good thing about Bigeometry is it combines the aspect of harmony coming from spirituality into the aspect of practicality so you know when you speak about science science is practical you have two practical applications spirituality is not practical so to make both one spirituality becomes practical science Accesses life force. So both of them meet and there is no Bridging science and spirituality because they're already one. Okay, and that this kind of science is the science of universal harmonics that the ancients used uh, In their great civilizations and so we we now have after uh, giving this long introduction we now have a design language That we can actually uh, use in all fields of life. I mean, until today, for the past 20 years, I've been supervising uh, postgraduate works uh, in many universities where we have all the laboratories doing our research and that. In all design fields you can think of, from town planning to architecture to furniture design to product design, even Mm. textile design Mm. or uh, clothes design. Uh, whatever you can think of landscape design, for years and uh, we have done a lot of work on the human brain how we can actually create shapes that restore the chemical balance in the human brain we have one uh, doctor's degree where they tested on mice Uh, uh, they tested how geometrical shape can restore the serotonin level in the brain of depressed mice. They, we couldn't work on human beings because we started by the student of mine went to one of the centers. We put a few shapes in one of the rooms and we asked as a comparison that the patient in that room who had some form of the depression not be given uh, any drugs in order to compare the effect of geometry with the effect of the other rooms where they gave them drugs. But we found that uh, no center accepted uh, to have a patient without giving him drugs. So when faced with this, we said, okay, uh, maybe it's even better if we ask the university uh, to make animal testing because we would also... Overcome the placebo effect when you work yeah. on animals.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And as a result We got the results. We raised the serotonin level. This it's usually Never hundred units. It's about 80 like that because we have a lot of environmental pollution So it's usually 80 levels in humans and animals and when depressed It goes down to maybe 30 something like that so they made four groups. Three of the groups were given the popular antidepressant drugs, and one group was put in an area where you had a biometry shape. And they actually, the biometry shape got the best results. Only one other drug was on the same level as biometry. The two other drugs were much less, And so we showed that with architecture or design, you could restore the chemical balance in the brain. And in the meantime, we have done architectural shapes uh, that like pavilions. I have one in my office in the garden. I have a pavilion. And that was a prototype for a large project, the classroom of a large project. And in this pavilion, You bring in autistic children, ADHD, all problems, uh, problematic children, and what happens when they go in there? Their perception starts to become normal. The pressure goes away, and they start becoming normal like people, and their parents would sit there and cry when they see the child changing his action and perception, or hyperactive child sitting and enjoying praying and drawing and doing things like that. And so we have shown that you can use architecture actually to change the or to restore the well balance of the chemicals in the brain. We have carpets that do that. We have all kinds of designs. We have chairs, uh, trays, and all kinds of things. Now, all our products have the same criteria. Since they bring in the life force, access it, and put it in whatever you use it, and the human being interacts with it, he gets the life force. And this will give you an idea about how humanity can change all its products into living products, not dead products.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... And this that's is very, yeah.
1: yeah. that's one of the main goals of biometry. For example, people are not aware today, when they move, an ancient statue or an obelisk from a sacred transport and put it somewhere else because it's a nice place, or they move a temple uh, because they want to take it away from the water of the Nile. They are taking something that is full of life force and putting it on a dead spot, and it becomes that it was alive for 5,000 years, and all of a sudden, because of our stupidity, it becomes a dead uh, uh, material building. So, by geometry, is a vocation. It's a very important thing to save our humanity and give it a future. Uh, while at the same time, when you work in biometry, it becomes a process of initiation, because you know any person who works in connecting the material to the spiritual. This form of work transforms the person doing it,
0: so it becomes a form. Of initiation and so we as an architect we have a very responsible job uh... yes but you know what
1: in ancient times the architects knew that their job was sacred they knew that when they built an ancient church or a temple they they didn't let a worker uh, touch the stones unless he was purified and did certain purification rituals before he touched the stone. You know, for example, in uh, in Spain, Antonio Gaudi, he went into fasting before he built the, the church because he felt he wasn't prepared. He had to purify himself to build it. So architects in ancient times uh, knew that architectural achievements were sort of uh, talismans of Uh, initiation where the ruler or the pharaoh when he built a city it was his act of initiation when he built a pyramid it was his act of initiation but the way to do it was always connecting to the sacred power spot connecting to life force when you build a city you have 4 or 5 or 10 sacred power spots you go on those sacred power spots and put your important buildings on them and then you connect the sacred power spots with the main avenues. So now you have this sacred energy flowing in your whole city, and from the main avenues you go to the. You use the earth radiation to spread it in the city. So the whole city becomes connected
0: to the life force, and becomes prosperous. It becomes a yeah, prosperous that, city. That brings me to some uh, uh, famous um, uh, quotes from uh, uh, architects. Um, like the most, the most, because you you give it a total uh, different meaning and, and uh, a more holistic approach, like from uh, Bauhaus, uh, form follows function. Yes. Oh, uh, so uh, yeah. That sounds very uh, logical uh, uh, when you look at it. Of course, it should uh, fit for the purpose uh, this built, uh, but it is only snapshot in time. Uh, but you know, function. The word function, function here. So I I call function function. can can have many meanings exactly exactly and so uh, I um, often play with the words and I say uh, actually it's not form follows function that is function melts form so that it uh, stays adaptive to uh, changing processes in uh, in those buildings and um, Frank Lloyd Wright um, the also the famous architect he uh, he called it once uh, form and function should be one uh, join in a spiritual union. So that comes close to what you say.
1: And you see, the uh, word
0: spiritual union here gives a new dimension to function. Exactly. So function is multidimensional. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and maybe uh, uh, Winston Churchill, with his famous quote, uh, he said, first we build our uh, uh, buildings, and thereafter they uh, first we shape our buildings, and thereafter they shape us. uh Yes. <laughs> So um, so all of them, they had the feeling that form uh, has a, an important role, uh, not only uh, containing the function or making the function uh, possible, but there's a, a much bigger spiritual uh, uh, meaning to it. Uh, as I read somewhere that uh, your quote, and you <coughs> elaborate that already uh, very, very uh, eloquent, uh, that energy and shape create function. Yes, because if you a little bit more energy, you know, if you shape
1: energy, you create function, uh, like if you have uh, you want to cook, you bring uh, a pot, put it on the fire, the fire takes the shape of the pot, so the heat can actually cook the food. And you know, using this same idea, you know how do you a very simple way. Of opening the different functions or chakras of the body you bring a shape a ball shape like that and put it on every chakra of the body like a ball shape because the chakras like fire it will open around the ball shape it will like a flower so if I take any shape that has look a ball like like that hemispheric shape I put it on every chakra the chakra will take its shape so and then automatically the chakra will open before because mm. the energy you shape energy you create function. So this is a very easy way. I take a, a, a teacup when I'm sitting and I put it on my head. I <laughs> put it here and say this is the lazy Egyptian way of opening the chakra. You know?
0: Yeah, then you heard you hear, hear also about uh, sound balls that they put the balls uh, on the chakras and then m- make it vibrate. Yes, even here we
1: are adding sound. But actually, if you put the ball on the chakra, the shape will open the chakra straight away. So, you know, uh, this example uh, about the energy, I was uh, once speaking at an international uh, architecture conference in Alexandria. And I told them the problem of our modern architecture today, what we were missing. I told them, look, if you look at every great architecture in the world. Actually, the culture is different, but the process is always perfect, it's complete. So the process produces good architecture. I told them, imagine the process to be like a machine that makes sausage, you know? Mm. I tell them the process is like that. So you have one uh, a disk in it. For example, this is the disk of material. This is the disk of function. This is the disk of social aspect. So you have all the different disks in the sausage machine. One of the disks is subtle energy of the earth. This is also one of the disks. Now, you put whatever kind of meat you put here, you get the perfect sausage here because all the disks in there. I tell them, well, what happened is the boy cleaning the machine, While he opened it to clean it, the disk of energy of the earth fell out. He didn't notice it. It fell under the table. So he cleaned the machine and closed it. And then we came in our modern times and used that machine, not knowing that a disk fell out. Mm -hmm. And we keep putting sausage on one side or meat on one side. Sausage comes out on the other side. And the sausage is never perfect. We think it's perfect. But it's never perfect because it's missing one of the uh, little disks in there. So I told them, that's why one day in the future, somebody will find that disk, put it back in the machine, the energy disk, and perfect the sausage machine. And you say, oh, I'm sorry, all the sausage done before that was not perfect. And I tell them, if we look at this metaphor, you will understand that a future civilization will look at our great architecture and call us the dark ages of architecture. Mm -hmm. We can do fantastic things, fantastic, fantastic architecture, but without the life force, Mm -hmm. we are in the dark age of architecture because every bird species knows how to make its nest. In a way that the nests is sort of amplifies the life force, and every species, a snail does that. Every natural species knows how to build its home to amplify and protect its energy and correct it. Except humans, we make our homes today. They're full of electromagnetic radiation, radioactivity, and all things like that. We have. A couple of doctor's degrees were we used by geometry to uh, cancel or reduce the effect of the radioactivity of building materials, because people are not aware that in their homes there is radioactivity. Granite gives radioactivity. Some textiles, uh, I mean, give radioactivity uh, on the walls. You have paint. Some paints give radioactive uh, material. Some All kinds of ceramics sometimes give radioactivity, and we're not aware that we could be living in a radioactive environment and we think that we're safe. So it's not just electromagnetic radiation. So we have two papers uh, that have been published in peer scientific magazines in the United States. One of them about electromagnetic radiation, the other one is about this weak radioactivity of building materials. And so, by geometry, I find that it is important that humanity does not lose its connection to the higher forces of life and the higher dimensions, otherwise humanity will lose itself.
0: Yeah, actually it has two dimensions. Uh, the, The most important is that we as human beings should make personally that connection and not depending on uh, external things, whatever they are. Uh, On the other hand, uh, you prove that external things can help us to come in the right state and maybe uh, uh, that it takes some more time, but in the end we we also reach that state. Uh, But you know, when you say we human beings should connect,
1: the ancients didn't think that connecting uh, in a practical way, through doing work and objects and all that, Uh, was one thing, and that personal connectivity through prayers and things like that was a different thing. Mm. No, they looked at both as one. You had one. Your actions, the way every activity you did, was a connection. So,
0: it combined both things into one. Okay, that brings me to your... uh, uh... We mark in the beginning that you said we are not living on the earth; we are living in the earth. In it, yes. And so we are part of it. So that uh, uh, something similar, could uh, um, metaphor we could use that uh, a human body with all its cells, we are we are these cells uh, actually, we humans. But there's a bigger form around us. So so we think we are just that one cell, or two cells are communicating with each other. But actually, there's a much bigger thing going on. Well, also, I'll give you you another example
1: that many people are not aware of. We live from the energy of the sun. Now, unfortunately, I can't go out in the balcony in the morning, open my mouth like this, and feed off the energy of the sun, you know? I don't have an organ that can transform it into chemical energy and all that. I can take a bit in my skin for vitamin D, but I cannot take it and transform it into chemical energy and to give me life force. So I'm missing an organ. Now out there in nature, there's the plant. The plant is my missing organ. It is out there. It takes that energy, transforms it into chemical energy, and then I eat it or the animals eat it and we get the life force from the Sun. We get it in our system. So actually The plant out there is one of my organs, Mm -hmm. but it's situated outside my body. Mm -hmm. So I should look at it like that. I have organs in my body, and I have organs outside my body. Mm -hmm. So I am one. If I separate my body from the plants, I die.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So you should look at it like that. Uh, In my lectures, I like to say, I don't like to say, Uh, How we interact with the environment, I always say we should reach a level where I say, I am the environment. Mm -hmm. That is the reality. We are part of this, we are one with it. You see, like you said, in the body, an immune cell cannot speak of itself as if it's a separate entity, Mm -hmm. forgetting that it's living inside me, you know. Mm And now let's look at something uh about our actions. If we're since we're speaking about cells, on my hand here, there are so many little bacteria, thousands and thousands in every square inch, that it's like a community doing work. One takes care of the this part of the skin, one takes care of that. It's a whole nation working on every square centimeter in my hand. Now, if they start stop working. And start uh, doing their own thing, their politics or whatever it is. I will find that my skin starts itching, or something is happening in the skin. So what do I do if my skin itches? I scratch. Now, when I scratch, a scratch, I kill about two thousand of those bacteria. Mm-hmm. So, we should humanity should beware, because one day. This great being, the earth, can scratch and, we, and bye bye humanity.
0: You see? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> indeed. So, uh, I think uh, an important step in this is uh, bringing awareness, uh, uh, so, broaden uh, our perspective and our horizon that uh, when you look at it from this uh, standpoint, yeah, it gives a complete different dimensions, uh, that uh, we are not uh, single persons doing our thing. Uh, we are one uh, big uh, organism. Um, suppose I, I bring a little bit back to the topic of, um, so, so more in detail, the, the application for a university campus. That's also an ecosystem in itself. You mean uh, university, you campus? In university campus? University uh, so campus. Oh, okay. University study and, and work environment yes uh, um a, a ecosystem in itself um so you are a professor yourself you worked uh are still working at universities um, what could uh, biogenometry do to enhance the um, uh, study results of uh, students and to enhance the health and well-being and probably even the consciousness uh, and also the people the staff and the professors uh, who are involved well
1: let's Look at teaching to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Science, the definition of science is actually observation. Nothing more than just observation. If you see a phenomena, you just observe what are the steps that lead to that phenomena. So science is just observing the phenomena happening around you, and by observing. You get to know things so science is knowledge through observation it's very simple now unfortunately we became uh, completely let's say in love with our modern technology and so we changed the the definition of science uh, into what i can measure with my instruments is science and what i cannot measure is not scientific
0: yeah yeah yeah.
1: and this is a huge mistake because energy the definition is the ability to make an effect to produce an effect so if i look at observation the original concept of science then your thoughts are energy your feelings are energy your actions are energy your movements are energy, but if i'm trying to measure everything with devices that i invented Mm -hmm. and then i'm so happy with my device that whatever it cannot measure does not exist so all of a sudden now my device cannot measure your emotions or your your thoughts coming out of your mind so it is not energy you know forget about it it's humanities so we science what is doing is Mm -hmm. Closing itself from nature, from the environment, by doing this, by sticking to what it can measure only. Now, going to universities, I was once uh, in a think tank with one of the biggest, uh, 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 let's say, medical institutions in the world and one of the biggest universities, and we were sitting there discussing. And while talking, a person was showing statistics about the medical department. And he showed that students entering the first year of medicine, uh, the students had, uh, 40% of the students had knowledge about nutrition and uh, lifestyle and health. 40% of the students had good knowledge of that. Those students went in to become doctors and then specialized specialists and all that. And then when they became specialists after seven years, they did the same uh, statistical analysis and they found that only 20% now Hmm. had knowledge of those things. So my reaction was after the speaker finished, I told him, I see something very dangerous now in our institutions. I see that teaching actually uh, uh, puts a barrier to knowledge. And if our university teaching puts barrier to knowledge, because every department, the more you specialize, the more you push things out, It's, it's a very dangerous situation. We must make a university teaching that opens the people to observation of nature, to observation of things, to understanding. Because science is observation. And not get them stuck only to what I measure and what I don't measure and all that. So they were uh, shocked a bit when I said that. And I said, I didn't say anything. It's your statistics. On on the board, the statistics show that. Mm Now, what, what we want to do uh, in a university environment, first of all, imagine that I use biometry to build the university, or to modify an existing building. No, yeah. it's the same. What will happen? First, the background energy will be less stressful when People are relieved of inner stress. First of all, what happens when the environment is healthy? A lot of the chronic diseases disappear Mm -hmm. because people don't know that chronic diseases that we cannot cure, we can only manage, have their cause in the environment. Like things, all the things like uh, people are getting diabetes, uh, we don't know why. You're getting high blood pressure. You don't know why. You're getting this. Many things can be managed because the cause lies out there in the environment and we are not looking for the cause. So if I make a healthy environment, you will have people there entering an environment with no stress. With no stress, that means they are relieved. Their emotional, mental aspects open. And when we put by geometry, we are connecting them to life force. So we're opening the students, besides the knowledge that they are being taught, we're opening them to experience experiential knowledge, things that they can experience. And the building is helping with that in providing the energy that will make you all of a sudden creative, that will make you think, that will make you that, because Like I told you in all our uh, research, we can use biometry to bring back the chemical balance in the brain. And this, I think, is the most important aspect in a university, is bringing the chemical balance in the brain of the people who go in this very special institution.
2: And this
0: is biogeometry, This is what biometry can do. Exactly, Uh, that uh, uh, when I say my words, uh, uh, so by uh, rebalancing and harmonizing the energy in that uh, uh, environment, that university environment, um, stress levels go down and also the fight and flight uh, response of people go down. So they will be automatically, uh, because they're at ease, more open-minded. And, and more for, receptive, yes. Exactly, and and that goes two ways. It's only not the students, but also the professors and the staff. Uh, so probably something similar as, or maybe the same as in one of those uh, Swiss uh, uh, towns where the spirituality yes. level went up. So just by treating the environment in a university campus, that would we be, can change all that. That would you be an uh, experiment, I think, uh, when we could find. Yes, an you know, in every.
1: A university is like a big company, you know, and you will always find when the energy is a bit stressful, you will find that the interpersonal relationships of the staff together, of the students together and all that, you will always have uh, problems uh, between students, problems between staff and all that. And if by using biogeometry we can reduce those problems, we can reduce sick leaves, for example. We can yep. reduce those things. I think that universities will become
0: uh,
1: utopias for the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with that. So uh, I'm playing with the thought to uh, start a, a pilot project for this. Uh, uh, I'm uh, connect, con- uh, contacting some university in the UK to do that. So uh, proof is the is the best uh, um, argument. So just yeah, it's working. So. Yeah, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to build a new campus. No, 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 exactly.
1: If a university is open to it, yeah, we go and transform the existing campus. Exactly. Because in geometry, you, you know, uh, shapes enter into resonance like musical strings. Yeah. So if you cannot modify a big shape of a building you can put a small shape of a building in the right proportions and make it resonate with the big shape and introduce harmony in it exactly so by geometry we have many many possibilities of doing such things yeah. and i think your idea of uh, uh, doing something with the university
0: would be uh, really uh, opening a path to the future Exactly, that's also my thing because uh who has the youth has the future. Uh so we yes. are training our youth over there, they have to take over from us uh after some time. Yes, that's that's our and future. actually yes. per definition a university uh environment should be the perfect uh environment because they should yes. be open-minded, because that's the yes. university. <laughs> you see, it is uh it's very simple.
1: Uh when you approach a university, you can make a a research project Mm -hmm. for example we say we are going to make a pilot project for three months exactly install things for three months yeah and evaluate before and after you know why i only say for three months and then take it off to evaluate because people usually when everything becomes better Sometimes we take it for granted. Yes, 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 yes. You know, when you feel better, you never think that there's a reason you feel better. Yeah. You take it for granted. Yeah. So uh, they will only feel the uh, what by to did for them when after three months this you go and take away yes. the, the shapes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I've noticed that when I did uh, especially projects in hospitals, I take the things away, and they come and how come you take the things away you know now all the people are feeling bad again and all that i told <laughs> so you know so it's good to put the solution yeah and say this is a pilot project yes. then you take it away see what happens and yeah. then if they want a permanent solution that's the second step exactly this is the right way to convince
0: people yeah of what uh geometry can do exactly and and that will give uh, i think uh yeah, a huge example for other universities. Uh, probably you have the same experience with hospitals. Uh, so when they uh, experience a difference, yeah, yes. No well, I have the experience
1: of with human beings in like places like Hirschberg and uh, mm-hmm. Hamburg. Of course, I have done many many projects in the Middle East, but with governments, uh, and these projects uh, are high security projects. I cannot speak about, but we've had lots of experiences uh, with companies who had uh, uh, staff problems between the their staff and we worked on it so we have lots of experience in uh, bringing back the the, the proper atmosphere uh, in a place and uh, any uh, uh, new project for example when we speak about university Uh, the good thing is we have done so many animal farming projects. so Because animal farming projects uh, they really uh, uh, for example show that there is no placebo effect. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell you a a, a nice little funny story. We were sitting in Switzerland and in a big conference about Hamburg. Uh, And the people of Hamburg were sitting there and some professors were sitting there and then a, a professor of psychology uh, he asked to speak and then he said you know uh, all this biometry is nonsense because uh, there's no science behind it uh, this dr ibrahim karim is an egyptian and the egyptians have those ancient magical sciences you know in their temples and all those things Mm-hmm. And it is known that if people have a very advanced science, they can use a sort of hypnotism, but on a mass scale. Mm-hmm. And he can go into a place and everybody becomes healthy because he hypnotized everybody, everybody becomes healthy. And then he says, this is by Biogenomics is a cover mm-hmm. because I know there could exist people with these abilities and since now you say he's egyptian so he must have abilities like that
2: yeah Uh, uh.
1: i was sitting there and i was saying i i won't answer i don't want to want to enter with him into a discussion but then an old lady uh, from hamburg raised her hand and said excuse me sir do you think that our cows speak Arabic. <laughs> he got so embarrassed because yeah. she was saying, Our cows got healthier, the plants got healthier. Yeah. Was, Do you think he speaks Arabic to those? <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And this was a funny thing. It shows that really plants and animals and all that, they are sort of they are showing that there is no placebo effect here. Mm -hmm. And placebo effects, usually, they are very strong in the beginning, and then they start fading away. Uh, Biogeometry effects, they start slowly, and they keep increasing, increasing with time, because more resonance happens, more resonance happens, until they reach a state where they reached a level, and this level becomes the permanent state. And this stays all the time. It doesn't change. Hamburg and Herzberg are working now. I was there last month. I was in Hirschberg and I went there to check. They wanted me to see if everything was good with 5G and all that. And we went to check Hirschberg and Hamburg and everything was good after so many that. Uh, Hamburg was 2003, Hirschberg 2007. And they're still energetically very sound till today, even with 5G. So, This is the difference between when you put an energy solution there and all sorts of, uh, there's no magic, you know, in science, Mm -hmm. there's no magic. Because magic is something that you do not understand. Exactly, exactly. But once you understand it, it becomes science. It's not magic. There's no magic uh, anywhere. The ancient Egyptians didn't use magic. They used science all the great ancient civilizations used science and not magic
0: yeah and um, yeah indeed and when you don't understand something it is uh, sometimes fearful and uh, yeah you are uh, feeling not safe Um, but on the other hand uh, uh, you say yeah people believe in instruments when you can measure it then it exists when you don't measure it can measure it uh, it does not exist but when people say something like this to me i tell them uh, do you remember last time when you uh, felt in love or maybe you're still in love when that happened did you go to a doctor and ask the doctor <laughs> please do a test because i'm not sure if i'm in love <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm in love yes nobody does that so there are fields uh, that that we dare to trust our feelings and uh, and that uh, uh, those things that are not measurable uh, And actually, a lot of important decisions are made just on that feeling, uh, even worse. science, proper
1: science, should be able to address all those things and measure them. Mm -hmm. But we have to be open-minded. First, I should understand that when you are in love, something is happening. Mm -hmm. And anything that produces an effect is energy. So love is energy. So why don't I extend the borders of my science Mm -hmm. to embrace all types of energy? Yes, This would take us into a science of the future. And the physics of quality in biometry does exactly that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it would also be very, uh, uh, I think, interesting when uh, we do such a uh, pilot project in a university that some of uh, their own faculties, get involved in the testing, uh, actually let them of course, test. Yes, uh,
1: we, we can make every faculty uh, use, according to its way of thinking, according to its possibilities, they can come into the project and we
0: can have a multidisciplinary
1: exactly uh,
0: that's what i'm pointing uh, at.
1: assessment yes that yeah. would be very interesting yeah, yeah. Yes. when there
0: are engineers and uh, uh, sci- uh, and uh, psychology and medical uh, whatever they have everybody can assess his own way yes exactly and they can test it in their own environment and um, yeah let's see what uh, what what happens <laughs> <But> <laughs> yes. with the awareness uh, after that i i interviewed um, a, uh, a former professor in uh, London uh, from the London University uh, in September, and uh, he said something. Yeah, then there is. He did a lot of testing in in his uh, career. He is an, into dowsing and uh, radionics. He was the former chairman of the radionic association in the UK, and uh, he said, Yeah, we did a lot of testing, but there were colleagues, and that was. Everything was properly done, scientifically proven, gold standard method, everything was okay uh, and they, uh, they didn't want to believe it. They, they just put it aside. Uh, so you have to be open-minded. Uh, you know, the, 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 the good thing about biometry
1: is I don't ask people to believe. I just ask, do you have a problem? Bring it. If I solve it, ask me what Bjomter is all about.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: I don't solve it, just tell me go home. you know <laughs> This is it. but Bi- Vijomter yeah. is here for practical solutions. Mm-hmm. and imagine when we are speaking about all those things we're speaking about, but we have the ability to show it straight away with results. So we don't enter into theorizing, or philosophy, yep. or whatever. Th- yep. This is not our field. Yep. You, you, you know, I'm an engineer. What we do is practical. And the ancient civilizations, you know, there's one thing. When we uh, look at ancient civilizations, we, tra- we look at their symbols, at their things, and all that. And we try always to look at them in a symbolic way, using modern philosophy and modern psychology, in a symbolic way what we don't know those people had no time for philosophy and psychology and symbolism mm-hmm. those people were doing practical things mm-hmm. so when they did a the symbol you should ask yourself is this a device and mm-hmm. what does this device do but we tend to go this represents that and represents that no they had they had no time to represent things mm-hmm. they only did practical things in their lives, So every symbol that they did, every word, everything they did was practical. And if we understand that, then we will understand how great those civilizations were. Unfortunately, we tend to look, go into symbolism and uh, things like that and think magic and things, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll never understand the ancient sciences if we keep thinking that way.
0: Mm-hmm. When one of our listeners um, um, is so fascinated about uh, this uh, sharing of uh, information and, and practical uh, knowledge uh, um, and says, I would like to, um, uh, to try it out or to, to use it in my university campus, what would you suggest would be the first step? Uh, where to start? Uh, what to do? Well, first of all, is let us convince the
1: administration of the university that we would like to make uh, a research project for three months. Now, this research project for three months would be free of charge. It's just a research project that we are doing for ourselves. Mm. And in this case, I will bring, for this project, I will bring uh, enough Shapes, geometrical shapes, and all that. I'll bring all the tools needed for our pilot project, let's say for three months. And then we put the solution, and then we will have a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. The questionnaire will be done before and after we put our solution. So we'll take the questionnaire, there will be a group of students who know how to. Uh, uh, use questionnaires in a very neutral way, not to try to influence people. And they will go and pick, let's say, uh, 50 or 100 students, different, whatever. And they ask them in the question, fill in the questionnaire about everything about their health, about the way of thinking, about everything their happiness, their aggression, their feeling, everything. And then we will have also questionnaires for some of the professors observing what's happening
2: mm-hmm. and
1: they will have questionnaires with all the problems then we do our work and after three months we go and they will do the same questionnaire again observing showing the difference now if they see that we have really made a difference in that university then we can sit make a conference sit explain what you did and talk And then think of how to apply a total solution to the university where they will pay our fees. The first solution will be uh, a simplified solution so that it doesn't cost us a lot. Maybe we decide to take part of the university or something. We'll design the product according to the size and all that. We'll design it, but I'm ready to bring my team and sort of make a pilot project with the university. and we'll see what happens afterwards, because it will be a very good uh, assessment. I mean, here in my universities, uh, in Egypt, and I also did with the University in Vienna and all that, I did lots of master's and doctor's degrees, but we didn't do the buildings of the university.
0: Exactly, that's I what, mean, yeah.
1: Yes, the status of geometry. we have a very good academical status, Mm-hmm. with many universities now for 20 years. But we didn't do the buildings. We, we just did the research projects. Yeah. Maybe it's time we go and do the building of the university to show uh, what we can do towards the future uh, of, of the people.
0: Exactly. And I, I would ex- uh, expand a little bit that not only the buildings in the, in the way of uh, physical environment, but also the digital and the social yes. part. Uh yes of course yes and so the whole uh, uh set uh, the whole ecosystem um yeah that would be really uh, really something and uh, thank you for your offer i um, i'm sure we are going to do this in near future because you, you know Renee, you it's like
1: you caught me you put me in a corner because you when you speak about universities we're speaking about about the future of the world exactly these are our children that will lead into the future and even if we do just one university not more yeah this university will be like a light beacon that with time will pull the others behind it actually so uh, it's uh, a very good idea what you're saying and
0: and and those students are are not average uh, uh, human beings Uh, they they will come on very uh, influential posts in, in the yes. later life. So and they you know,
1: here, uh, you would university would not be building just uh, people who know a lot about a certain specialization. Yes. No, they will build people who actually uh, are more human. Mm. Because mm. we are going to change the way they think. Mm this the problem uh, of specialized studies is with time you specialize more and more and more mm-hmm. so you start think I know everything about some very little aspect mm-hmm. and then you have a huge ego mm-hmm. but in a very limited field and you don't see anything outside it mm-hmm. but when you open those people to a much bigger dimension what happens is they will feel more human
2: yeah
1: even their egos will get smaller they'll feel more human they will feel that now that they interact with others with pleasure you know this yeah. interaction with people this peaceful interaction this happy interaction not closed by uh, a scientific ego that puts them yeah. uh, uh, in a certain pedestal yeah
0: yeah actually i uh i um the way i see it is more that uh we don't uh uh, uh put something uh, take something away we just bring things back into harmony uh yes so it is i and you comp- i just wrote an article um about architecture as a symphony of form so yes playing with the fr- frozen music uh, uh, idea Yes that uh, bringing it back into harmony in uh, all the components is just like uh, when you go to a classical uh, concert, just the f- yeah. first three minutes is noise uh, when they are uh, uh, tuning their instruments. But when the conductor comes and they have the music score, then all of a sudden is harmony because it's coordinated. Yes. So that's how I see uh, such a... Uh, Ecosystem as a university, when you bring it back into harmony because you tune into that higher frequency, uh, the music score, and there is a, yes. uh, a conductor who says, okay, now uh, we play together. You know, uh, what we could do is
1: after we do the first pilot project, then we take the different departments of the university and make one a project to these departments, for example the architectural students will design the ideal university with biometry. Even if it will never be built, but they will design it. The others will design the furniture for such university. The others will design, compose the music for such university, like we have the musical compositions, like the series Odyssey that we have, uh, that, that... energizing that that creates a lot of balance and all that. Mm -hmm. So every department will have like a side project creating a biometry environment through its specialty. So that they, at least, even if they don't build this future university, but at least they design Mm -hmm. a utopian idea university, even if it's kept in textbooks, Mm -hmm. at least they've done it. Mm-hmm. And it will always be in the
0: universal mind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm so grateful for your uh, time and your explanation. And uh, especially... I'm, with... happy... <laughs> and I'm the...
1: happy to be with you. We've gone two hours now.
0: Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, what shall I say? Uh, um, when I start a new topic, uh, we uh, add another hour. So let me close off uh, up that um, by thanking you Really, really, very, very much. That. Uh, Thank you, Rene, and uh, hope to see you soon sometime. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Well. Bye. 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 Bye.